welcome to the She Research Podcast. I'm your host, Kate McKay, and I'm joined today by Miriam Wiersma. Hi, Miriam. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Miriam has joined me today to talk about her paper, co-authored with Ian Carriage and Wendy Lipworth, all at Sydney Health Ethics, called Status, Respect, and Stigma, a Qualitative Study of Non-Financial Interests in Medicine. And this is appearing in a special issue in the Journal of Bioethical Inquiry on Conflicts of Interest. So, Miriam, thanks for letting us talk about your paper today. No worries. I wonder if you could give uh, the listeners a quick elevator pitch sort of summary of your paper and what it's about. For sure. So basically what this paper is, it's a qualitative, semi-structured interview study that looks at the different non-financial interests that doctors recognize in medicine. Mm -hmm. So basically what we did is we interviewed 11 medical professionals to find out their views towards conflicts of interest in medicine and what emerged from those interviews and doctors weren't prompted in this way was that they were particularly concerned with several non-financial interests and those were status, respect and stigma. And so this paper explores the non-financial interest of status, respect and stigma, and how doctors perceive them and when they may come into conflict with other interests. That's really interesting. So could you kind of broadly just give a quick definition? What are non-financial conflicts of interest? What does that look like? Well, I actually think it's important that we cover quickly, if possible, a few definitions. Yeah, sure. So... Within conflict, the world of conflict of interest, there's a number of different definitions of conflict of interest, and that concept itself is still hotly debated. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the most commonly used definitions is that introduced first by Thompson in 1993 and then later adopted by the U.S. Institute of Medicine, that of conflicts of interest exists where there is a circumstance that creates a risk that professional judgment or actions regarding a primary interest will be unduly influenced by a secondary interest. Okay. So it's the focus there is on a doctor, for example, or a researcher having a primary interest. So when it comes to clinical practice, you would usually assume that that primary interest is that of the clinician's interest in patient health care. When it comes to research, we generally assume that the primary interest of the researcher is that in the integrity of the research. Now, there's a lot of debates going on about conflicts of interest that are playing out across the literature at the moment, and they include what counts as a conflict of interest, what, if anything, causes a conflict of interest, under what circumstances does a conflict of interest become ethically problematic, mm-hmm. and how, if at all, conflict of interest should be managed. So financial interests and associated conflicts of interest have received the most attention in recent years. So they are as what they sound. Mm-hmm. They are payments to doctors, fee-for-service models, consultancy fees, having equity or ownership in a company, etc., etc., Non-financial, and this is a very long way around to get to what are non-financial interests and conflicts of interest, are pretty much everything that doesn't fall within that neat category. So it's a very broad and somewhat amorphous category 
in which other types of things are subsumed. Mm -hmm. So it may be relational-based concerns. So it may be having a relationship or having a friendship, a rivalry or or nepotism. It can be belief-based concerns such as religious, philosophical or other beliefs. Mm -hmm. It can be desires. So there's no one single definition of non-financial interests and conflicts of interest and that can make the study of them quite tricky because there's not one thing that we can say that it is Mm -hmm. or that it's not. So what was your main motivation behind conducting this study um, and writing up the paper? Part of it was that there were a number of papers which had started to call for more attention to be given to non-financial conflicts of interest in the way that with the focus on financial conflicts of interest, we were limiting ourselves to a very narrow range of interests that drive doctors' behaviours in clinical practice and other spheres. Mm -hmm. So in doing this paper, we kind of wanted to draw attention to non-financial conflicts of interest and interests and to kind of allow others to see that non-financial interests can be just as important as financial interests. Right. So what are your main findings? Well, one of the big ones, because there hasn't been a lot of research in this area, was that doctors do recognise non-financial interests quite readily and without much prompting at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of talk within non-financial conflicts of interest within the literature that people can't recognise them. Okay. They're too broad, they're too ambiguous to ever be meaningfully managed. But we've kind of shown, hey, doctors do have a level of introspection that enables them to identify these interests and to further than that say these interests can come into conflict with patient care and other interests. Yeah, that seems like a pretty important admission. Admission sounds too strong, but it does seem like a pretty important insight into their professional context. Mm. And I think they really drew um, attention to the fact that there are system-wide factors that act as kind of almost encourage them to pursue non-financial interests. Mm-hmm. So I think the way in which the healthcare se- sector is set up at this point in time is that there are stronger commercial influences and doctors recognise that it's not only the money associated with these factors, but the associated interests of status or respect and advancing one's career in general that can have an influence on their behaviour. Mm-hmm. So did you face any particular challenges when you were conducting this research or perhaps in the writing of the paper? I think when you do any form of qualitative research, different people are going to have very different perspectives on what emerges out of the data. So at first, for me, the first concept that was very strongly apparent was status. Mm. And that was quite easily noticeable respect was associated with status then it's quite difficult to distinguish between the two but stigma was something that 
was far more challenging to talk about in this context, especially as it relates to doctors, because we don't normally assume that doctors would be subjected to stigma Mm -hmm. as they do hold such status within society in general. I think you say in the paper that this is a way of thinking of stigma that is um, relative to your particular social position. Mm, So this is about how social perceptions change and you can be marked out within your field of practice or within your social context? Yes. Right. And so for some participants within this particular study, they saw engagement with the pharmaceutical and medical device industry as a source of stigma, that that person to be was associated with that, oh, you have that brand on you, you're, you're right. somehow less than mm-hmm. because you associate with industry, a kind of sense of almost dirty mm-hmm. by association with industry. Mm-hmm. Whereas for others, they more focused on, hang on, there's some really powerful things at play with working with industry and industry can be very useful and therefore they can be a source of such relationships can be a source of status and respect. So I think that's another thing that our study really bore out, that there are a multiplicity of views towards interests and conflicts of interest, as well as towards relationships with industry within medicine. So how we then go to manage them where there are this diversity of views can be quite challenging. Yeah. So do you think that there are any, do you foresee any um, objections from the literature to your work? How is your work evolving as you go forward? I think when we do a paper like this, we have to be careful to recognise its limitations. Mm. So this is a qual, like a very small qualitative study. There were only 11 participants it was limited to Australia. Mm-hmm. So we can't make the claim that all doctors can readily identify these non-financial interests. Mm-hmm. That would be highly misleading. So that's probably the main one. Mm-hmm. In terms of other things that have emerged throughout this research, I personally have found that my thinking has changed mm-hmm. as I've spent more time looking into non-financial interests and conflicts of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we first wrote this paper, I thought that non-financial interests could potentially be managed in a similar way to financial interests and conflicts of interest. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of research come out in recent years on the limitations of disclosure. And I think in doing work, what I'm doing now that looks more into the concept itself of interest, I'm starting to realise that views towards interests in medicine are not overly well developed and they're not based in a historical and a richer understanding of the term interest itself. And I think that's something that probably doesn't play out in this particular paper, but I hope to address in future research. Very cool. That'll be something to look forward to. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, great. So I guess the final question that I have for you, Miriam, is what's the primary takeaway message that you hope people will get from your paper? If I had to say it in one sentence, I would say that non-financial interests and conflicts of interest deserve our attention in medicine and we need to spend more time looking into them throughout our research processes. That is a very succinct summary. Mm. <laughs> I think that they're, they're easy to ignore and they're easy to downplay as too complex to warrant attention. Mm -hmm. But I think that really limits our understanding of conflicts of interest mm -hmm. and our understanding of financial interests. That totally seems right to me. And I think one of the re really interesting things about reading your paper was thinking about non-financial interests and taking stock of the intuitions that I had about it while I was reading your paper to think about um, what kind of reactions I was having and whether I was feeling like, oh, these aren't conflicts of interest or, um, you know, if we count these as conflicts of interest, do we have to count everything as a conflict of interest? And how do these kind of come together in a way? So it's not just that every interest that people have um, are problematic. It's that sometimes you've got these um, particular interests that will come into conflict. And especially it sounds like when it has to do with patient care. So patient care seems to be really at the center of these questions, at least in this context. Yeah, this, it was definitely at the center of this paper. Mm -hmm. In terms of the medical literature, it's often more focused on the research context. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, I think it's important to address interests and conflicts of interest in the clinical domain as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, what you're touching on there is a lot of non-financial interests really give rise to a lot more questions. And I think we can only really understand financial conflicts of interest if we see them alongside non-financial interests and conflicts of interest. I think the dichotomy between the two is a false one mm -hmm. and that we will really benefit if we look at both. Thank you for joining me today. This was really interesting to hear about this paper, Miriam. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. So thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks to everyone who is listening. And if you'd like to find more of our podcasts, you can catch She Research Pod on Anchor and wherever else you listen to podcasts of quality. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.